and welcome to the 37 Signals podcast. My name is Matt Linderman. On this episode, we're going to bring a different member of the 37 Signals team into the fold. Sure. My name is Ryan Singer, and um, technically I'm the product manager, um, but basically I, I lead design and, uh, and help make features happen and make changes happen in the apps. The conversation started with a big picture question. How do you know where to start with a product? How do you know what really matters? Well, the, the main thing that matters is what it, the question to ask is what is it that people are trying to do? Like every product that we make is addressed at some kind of life situation. Like it's not just kind of a generic feature set. Like for Basecamp, there's people who are actually trying to get something done and they're trying to do it with a group of people. And in order to do that, they need to be able to communicate in certain ways. So the question is like how can Basecamp be a support for that activity? So it's looking at what people are trying to do and what is going to be useful for them and what's going to make their life easier. That's like the number one thing. No, I mean, you throw out so much stuff that I feel like you can't even count the number of things that you throw out. It's like nine out of ten ideas are just something that you thought of that, that doesn't actually help anybody. But I mean, a recent thing that we added to High Rise, for example, like there's always flows. Like people have stumbling points. And that's a big thing that we're looking at. So in High Rise, it used to be that there was this search field in the sidebar. And you could type in a person's name or a company's name, and it would autocomplete the name, and then you could jump to their page. Um, but until just recently, we didn't include cases or deals there. And uh, we just released an update for that a few days ago. And now you can type in a case name or a deal name and jump there too. And it's one of those things where it's a, it's a really simple feature, uh, but it's making people's life a lot easier because if they're jumping to cases and deals a lot in their day, it's less navigation. It's, it's just making things easier. It's a smoother flow. All right, so we've you know you've got the other designers, Jason and Jamie at Thirty Seven Signals. What's your interaction with them like? How much direction are you giving them? How much are they just working on their own? What's is there collaboration that's going on all the time? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of collaboration in the sense that they're working on some kind of feature and they keep posting updates into Campfire. Like, here's the latest version. Here's a new screen, and then it's a matter of looking at it together and seeing. Well, first of all, is it doing the job? And then second of all, if it's doing the job, is it doing it in a way that is as minimal and is as clear as we want? And so the, the, there's like two main aspects to that. One part is looking at visually what's happening, like what, what is happening with the typography, with the colors, with the layout, with, are there borders there, like how's it working? And that part is about making it really clean to the eye and to the brain, like the eye-brain system. And then there's the other part, which is super important, which is What's the language being used? What are the words there? And do the words perfectly communicate what the feature is about? And that's like, you know, more working with the, the, the kind of conceptual level. So it's like when customers come to our designs, you know, we want the design to kind of work on their brain in a subconscious way so that their eye is automatically directed to the stuff that's important and relevant to them. And to do that, we work with things like contrast and line height and colors and, and layout but then once they're looking in the right spot, uh, it has to also mean something. Um, so then it's about getting copyright. So those are really two things that we work on a lot together. And how much does, in the form versus function sort of question, how much does the actual beauty of, of what you're designing matter? Or do you feel it's more just functionality needs to trump everything else? Usability is what matters. Yeah, I mean, because we're doing business software, the most important thing is that it does a job. And... Uh, in a way, it's an easier situation than when you have another layer of art direction on top. You know, we have a kind of aesthetic, we have a kind of style, but that style is coming through as an almost byproduct of making decisions about how can this, how can this page or how can this screen 
be as clear as possible and and just communicate as well as it can. So it's like the 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 form part is coming out for sure from the usability mindset. And I mean, just in a bigger picture way, do you feel like that's an issue with designers sometimes is, you know, this sort of attitude of wanting to make something pretty gets in the way of making something functional? You know, it's hard to say because um, I, I've been recently working on a on a website, and it's like a it's like a normal website. <laughs> it's been a side project. I'm, it's it's in WordPress, and it's like there's a blog, and there's upcoming events, and there's photos, and it's like it's content, and it's been really interesting to see how I tried to approach it in my normal way of approaching software and and being completely usability focused and it's really easy when it comes to websites for example to make something that's really usable but not interesting you know with business software it's already interesting because you come into it wanting information you're not coming for entertainment but if you go to a website or you go because you want to find out about you know about a place or a business or you want to like our like our marketing sites um, have a different mo than our apps do because if somebody is hears about us, we want them to come to our site and see something that is interesting and kind of engaging, something that entertains them a bit, and that's a whole different bag. All right, and then uh, maybe sort of the similar discussion to what we had about working with the designers. I'm wondering about working with the programmers. Um, I know we we're, our philosophy is designing the screens first, and then is that just a handoff to the programmers? Is there collaboration going on there? How much interaction is going on between? you and the other designers and the programmers? Yeah, it's definitely not a handoff. I think an important part of the way that we look at design is that the end product of design is templates. It's, you know, we, we use Rails, and Rails has these different levels to the code. There's, um, on top of the infrastructure that we have, every app has, like, a database layer. It has a model. Um, it has a controller, and it has views. And views are where all the templates live. And uh, we look at design as being... It's really part of the code. It's part of the source code. And it happens to be in a certain directory with these other templates that are called views. And uh, because it lives in the code, it has to participate in that code and it has to um, plug into all the other pieces. So the designer, I think, has to be aware to some extent of the pieces of code that are underneath them and around them. So we work extremely closely. The, The designers are running the apps locally. Um, on their on everybody's running the actual application with the whole local database and the whole setup on their own machines and uh, we're making changes live to our own versions of the apps uh, touching the templates directly uh, reloading the browser to see how it looks with real data and then uh, and then pushing our changes out via git uh, to everybody else so it's um the line between design and coding is really just a question of what part of the app you're working on you're still totally touching source code together and so how many times might a design are, – are people working on a design together at the same time? The designers and programmers are both working on it at the same time or is it being handed back and forth? And if it's the latter, how many times would that happen? Yeah, I mean in the beginning, uh, the design is, is defining what, what the work is. Um, before you have a template, you don't even know what you're building. Um, so the design always comes first. Uh, and then there's a back and forth depending on what the project is. Sometimes a designer can actually have a template designed and then say, here it is, it's totally clear, it just needs to get hooked up. And then it gets hooked up and it looks great and it's done. But more often it's the case that the designer puts together a screen, the programmer starts plugging it in, and then the designer is reloading as the actual data starts to 
work. You know, once the programming is plugged in and you can type in it and save things and display things again, then you get a kind of feedback into your design and you see that it should be different here or this part isn't clear or this part is too slow. Um, and then there's a kind of ongoing parallel change between the two. Like usually it's only in the beginning that they have to be staggered where design is working on it for a couple days before development gets involved. But then once both are involved, the changes can pretty much happen concurrently. And do you have any advice for people at other firms about how, you know, design teams and development teams can work together better? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, as far as application development goes, that it's completely key that the designers are working in source code with the developers. I, I can't conceive of another way of working, um, because with applications, it's just um, the, the cost of having somebody uh, translate all of the designs is too high. It means that you can't change things. It means that anytime you want to make a change, you have to convince somebody else um, and make somebody else understand exactly the change that you intend and then uh, follow up with them to make sure that they implemented it the way that you want. It's, a, it's, a, it's really adding a lot of friction and weight to the feedback cycle if you, if you can't make the changes yourself in the code. Although Ryan's mainly a designer, he's also picked up some of the basics of Rails. I asked him how having a background in a programming framework has helped him as a designer. Well, aside from just being able to, to do the work myself, to get in there and make things happen, I mean, that's valuable in itself. Uh, but also getting into Rails in more depth has exposed me to all the stuff that programmers know about that application interface designers should know about. So an example of that is Domain Driven Design. It's this book by Eric Evans. And it's just this awesome book about how designers and developers should work together with customers so that they're all using the same language for all parts of the app. And it's, it's had a huge influence on my thinking. And then also a lot of things about coding style. Uh, programmers have a lot about coding style and how to make code clear so that uh, when your teammates go in to make a change that they really understand what your template was doing and what your code was doing. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of expertise about those things in programming circles that I've been exposed to now. From there, we got into talking about some of Ryan's influences, like architect Christopher Alexander. By the way, you may start hearing some ripping and packing noises in the background. That's actually our office mates, uh, Kudal partners, putting together some field notes orders. So sorry for the background noise. I know Christopher Alexander is another one of your influences. Uh, what impact has his thinking had on you? Uh, he's got two big ideas. I mean, one of the things is patterns, which a lot of people know about. Um, the thing that really hit me was his thoughts on process. Um, that has to do with, he's an architect, right? So in his case, let's say he's building a house. Instead of doing a blueprint and then, and then looking at the blueprint and having an idea about where the window should go, he'll actually take his team out to the site where the house is going to be built and stand there on the hill and look around for where the best view is. And then wherever that view is, then he'll say, aha, okay, this is where the window goes. And then it's piece by piece like that. Well, if the window was there, then where, where would we be sitting by the window? Where would the fireplace be? So the, the design comes about as a kind of reaction to the environment, as a reaction to the, to the situation around him. And he calls, he calls those kind of, he calls them forces. The fact that you, you go into a situation and there's all these kind of things that you have to account for that are already there. Um, for me, that's huge. And it's something that we hear from the agile community but the agile community now in programming is so busy with methodology and process and step one through 12 and then special kinds of meetings that I think it's easy to miss the, the simple essence of, you know, do you design the window in a blueprint or do you go and stand on the hill? 
And other people that you've mentioned at Signal versus Noise and elsewhere uh, include Jacob Nielsen, Steve Krug, Edward Tufte. Wondering if you have more thoughts on those guys for designers starting out. How important is it to read their writings? And any any other opinions on those guys? I would say Tufte is totally a must um, because what Tufte is about is uh, design as a support for thinking, and that's what we do when we make when we make software when we make software that is supposed to be used for a task. Um, it's about making something that is a support for people's thought process so that they don't have to think about the software and they don't have to um, think about the design, but that they can think about their, in the case of high rise, they can think about their context. They can think about what they have to do with somebody. They can think about who they need to follow up with or what happened in the past with people. Um, so, and he, the way that he does that is by showing visual principles so that what you're looking at goes straight to your brain and you don't have to, you don't have to think to get there. So for, for me, I think like his principle of least effective difference is something that we invoke almost probably every other day. It literally gets brought up uh, around here at work. I think also just worth mentioning, we both attended one of his uh, conferences one time, one of his workshops. It's great to see him in person too. You know? Oh, totally. That was awesome. Yeah. You'll get a whole different level on uh, where he's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And how about Jacob Nielsen, Steve Krug? Those guys important for a, a designer to read? Uh, you know, I think I still think that Jacob Nielsen's site is awesome, and it's not cool to say that anymore. Uh, and people feel like uh, like somehow it's dated or it's not cool anymore. But everybody should go back to useit.com and look at what this guy does because this guy can write, and nobody else can write right now. This is still like the biggest gaping hole in in Apple, especially UI design and also just generally in web design that people don't write well. And Nielsen is completely focused on writing. And then his design is about how to make that writing shine through in a really clear way. And then let's uh, backtrack on your personal experience. How did you get started in design? Uh, I actually started with um, databases. Uh, and you know, Jason has a similar story. Uh, I uh, was playing with uh, Claris Works on a Mac, on a whatever it was. Uh, you know, I can't even remember the model of the Mac, but it was a early Mac, and I was playing with Claris Works, and they had like a database type program that was uh, like a mini version of FileMaker, I think, and um, and ma- somehow making forms for things. I don't know why, but that was interesting to me, and uh, also HyperCard, uh, getting into that. And then later on, I had a PC at home, and I was doing, like, Microsoft Access-backed apps, like, just database-backed apps. And, uh, and it's been a pretty natural progression from there. And then you, were, you started doing web design at a company called Tilted, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, I was, I was working at Tilted. They were, they were a hosting company, um, and I was helping them with whatever design they needed in-house. And then I, I had a friend there who was, who was really generous with uh, basically – giving me a chance to work with them and at the same time sit on a really nice internet connection eight hours a day and do freelance work and, and, and teach myself things. And then how did you wind up at 37 Signals? Uh, 37 Signals was actually a client of Tilted's. Tilted was hosting them uh, for a bit. And, uh, and uh, you know, I had been following 37 Signals because I felt like they were one of the few companies that really got it. I was just really, really impressed by what 37 Signals was doing, and and I knew that it was the kind of stuff that I wanted to do. So then when when they posted a blog post about uh, wanting to hire somebody, I just got in contact and and put in a, you know, put my my hat in the ring or whatever you say, and and it worked out. And then Basecamp was actually one of the first projects you worked on after coming to 37 Signals, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I came on in, in about July of 2003, and it was it was less than a month after I think I came that I went into Jason's office one day, and he said, "Oh, I've got a couple sketches. I had this idea. You know, emailing back and forth with the clients isn't working. I thought it'd be cool if we had this sort of." sort of like a blog, but it would be private and only the clients could see it and we could post updates about the project. And I was like, oh, cool idea, you know. And um, and that's where we were. And then it, we started to to flesh it out a little bit more and then we started to collaborate on the on the design for it. And then soon uh, David, there was like, hey, there's this guy named David and he's going to do the programming for us. And, and it just kind of snowballed from there. When did you have an awareness that you know, we were onto something that, you know, like, oh, this might be more than just, you know, a little internet app that we use to manage our own projects. You know, when I first came on board, I, I always had this feeling in the back of my head that we were, we were helping to do, we were doing a lot of website redesign, but that it wasn't exactly what we were good at. Like we were good at it, but we were really, really good at was, uh, application UI. And, uh, and then when we started to actually work on our own web app, you know, it, it, it just totally solidified that, that we were doing what we were good at. So I think there was a feeling right away that things were clicking. Anything else that you think would be uh, interesting to our listeners? Mm. I was thinking about information architecture lately. What were you thinking about it? Well, I, I've always made fun of information architecture a lot because um, information architects are funny because they, uh, they, ha they have um, a lot, a lot of diagrams and a lot, a lot of process. And um, so it was, it was always something that was really opposite of what we do here at 37 Signals. We're always about like delivering and just making stuff that works and not drawing a whole bunch of diagrams about it. And, um, but lately, you know, I had a conversation with a friend the other day who, who did um, a lot of really good work in, in agency style website, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, he was talking about how, you know, there's, there's people who are really, really good at visual design and they uh, can make things that are beautiful. And then there's people who really know what the page is supposed to do. Like they know what the page is for and what needs to be there. And, uh, and he was saying that these are the, what information architects are. They're the people who know what needs to be on a page and how it should be worded and how it should be related to stuff on other pages. And, it, and that was really interesting to me because it made me realize that actually what we're doing here with our design of 37 Signals is like 90% quote unquote information architecture and that there's this 10% design, which is just like, how can I make this look okay and make it really, really clear. So that's been interesting to me lately to see IA as, um, as a field that is a little bit swamped in bullshit, but is itself an extremely valuable and central like uh, function in design. When we try to figure out what's the difference between making things beautiful and making them functional and things like that. And that'll do it for our interview with Ryan Singer. Uh, if you want to go to 37signals.com slash podcast, you can find links related to this episode, some of the stuff Ryan was talking about. And we also have uh, summaries of all the previous episodes there. So if you want to get into the back catalog, that's a good place to do it. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.